You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Episode. No, it's gonna be low. Key. I can always tell. I can always tell as we're getting ready to record. Well, how, like fucking wheels off you are. I'm like, ah, I no, see. No, now it's this is gonna be. This prophecy. is gonna be one of those nights where I'm trying to move the fucking the t- the discussion mm-hmm. forward, mm-hmm. and you like stop me every five seconds. You're like, well, wood. Nope, I love wood. I'm very low yeah, to say. Like morning wood. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, I never have said that those combination of words <laughs> in any form. But it's gonna happen. Second of all, I'm not very very high energy. I'm very tired today. You you it's seem always, you seem very riddle and kiddish. I've watched a lot of movies this I'm weekend. So well, it's because of your own. Design. Because you know Jeff and I, we could fucking keep on with the schedule for Memorial Day. But Joel was like, "I don't want to come and record." Memorial I did it for Day. you guys. Wah. I did it so that we could all Wah. have a nice, relaxing Memorial Day and yeah, not have to. We could cool. sleep hey. in, not have to record. How was your weekend? Uh, I had a good weekend. I saw some movies, played some video video games. Yeah, video games. Yeah. Which video games did you play? Oh, which video games didn't I play, Joe? Which video games did you not play? I'll, I'll uh, just anything that the was fucking ma- question. <laughs> I didn't play anything that was made after the year 1989, probably. Uh, oh, so really? It was a lot of yeah. We went out to that bar. You ever been to Barcadia down yeah, there? Yeah, the uh, place that doesn't let black people in. No, that's Kung Fu Saloon. Oh, okay. This is the one that's. <laughs> Probably also doesn't, but it's not an official <laughs> but it's rule. Not in the news. Handed <laughs> down by management. <laughs> not yeah. in the news. It's racist. Uh, no, 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 no. But uh, yeah, you know, they I like Arcadia. They got that giant Connect Four board. They do. They have that. They yeah. have a bunch of giant Jengas out there. Yeah. Uh, they have. Uh, yeah, and they got. Uh, actually, mo- like half of the games they had there were broken, like out of order. Cubert. I lost fifty cents in Cubert that I'll never get back. Thank uh-huh. you very much. The Turtles in Time or the the Ninja Turtles game there out of order. Um, Man. Um, Street Fighter. I was playing a buddy Street Fighter right in the middle of a, of, of a hectic round. Just like lost just power and, and reset. It reset. It they, went to like Because the they don't clean them. You have to go inside yeah. and actually clean those games out or else they'll overheat. Plus, it's like a smoking environment, and, you and know, I'm sure a lot of that shit wafts yeah. into the uh, the electronics. That's true. Which means you got you have to clean them out. Uh, yeah, no, I, I played the uh, the Tron machine when I was out there. Mm-hmm. They had it right next to the pinball machines. Yeah. And that's like where two people wanted to like have a discussion all night. <laughs> and I was the asshole because I'm like, excuse me, I'd I like know. To, I'd like to play a game. You, you shouldn't. If you're if you're gonna have a talk, go sit down at a table. That's right. It's a it's a bar. Yeah. Hence the bar, Katie, part of it. Yeah. There was a there was a chick who was squatting a game. Uh, she was squatting the Ms. Pac Man while her boyfriend went to go get quarters. And I'm like, Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> you're either playing it or you step aside, Miss. She, I know. She was like, uh, and then he can come over and put the quarter up on top. She I might got, as well. I have got been next. Standing in front of a tank in Pyongyang. Yeah. Like, you know, not letting the... Where was that? It was in China, wasn't it? Tiananmen Square. Tiananmen Square. There you yeah. go. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> know your history, folks. Don't be like your Uncle Joel. Yes. Tiananmen Square. If I would have had another 30 seconds, I would have pulled that so, out. So you went and saw the new Pitch Perfect movie. I did see the Pitch what Perfect movie. What was your verdict movie. on that? Uh, not, not as good as the first, but again, there's no way to top that first movie. Yeah. Because it's like the whole first movie is she's getting introduced to the world, she's reluctant, but then she kind of falls in love with it. Right. There's a whole romance with the boyfriend. This one picks up where all that is left off, and they tried to do that thing where they're passing the torch to the new generation. Uh-huh. Just didn't have the same feel. But I knew that going in. my hand to the new there you go. Uh, ooh, Pinball Wizard. Yes, sir. I'm bringing it full bring circle. It, it but having said that, I, I went in wanting to hear some some fun acapella and get some laughs. And man, 
This is one of those examples of you get a bunch of funny people and some funny people who know how to direct funny people. Well, Elizabeth Banks did a, a yeoman's job. Yeah. A uh, yo-woman's job. Hey, yo-woman. And uh, it, was a, it, was, it was a fun thought, little, little romp. Clever, I did you? think that was clever. Yeah. It was pretty Shut clever. up. <laughs> it was pretty good. Uh, we, we saw the new Mad Max movie yeah! this past weekend. Oh, man, I can't wait. It was kind of fucking amazing. That's like, what everybody says. It was what I wanted the Avengers to be. Like, not, uh, not story-wise or anything like that, but I just, like, that's the reaction I wanted to have walking out of the Avengers. Fucking Mad Max. Fist pumping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, George Miller just, the he is, his visual style is just outstanding. And just to kind of see, like, how where he's come since this movie this that movie. we're about to talk about. <laughs> uh and to see like what happened with Fury Road and it was just it's just beautiful. It was gorgeous and the story actually had a surprising amount of depth for what it was, you know, just an action movie driving on a fucking road yeah. for an hour and a half. I thought there wasn't much story. There actually is a story. Like I kind of and this is going to be all very movie blowhardy, but I kind of feel like it was there. It was there between the lines. The subtext was there, and I thought it was played very well. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, Mad Max Fury Road, definitely, definitely um, recommend that highly. Uh, so this is the Editing Bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name's Joe. I'm Joel. And this is where we come to talk about movies. Uh, sometimes they're bad movies, but sometimes they're undiscovered, unappreciated gems. Whatever the case may be, we'll watch them and then bring them uh, here to this forum. We'll talk about it with you, our lovely Editing Bay listeners. Uh, I keep getting <laughs> hell because I do it singular, but because in radio oh, you're right. trained to address the singular. We're talking to you. We're talking to you right you, now. You're supposed to make like that that personal one-on-one connection. Mm-hmm. Now, what if what if uh, there's somebody driving in a car and they have somebody sitting next to them? No, it doesn't matter. They're both listening. It, it to doesn't this matter because they can each imagine that we're talking to them. Okay. personally. Uh, so yeah, the movie for tonight is well today or this morning or whatever time you're listening. Timeless. To this, um, is Mad Max. Beyond Thunderdome, mm-hmm. which is the third of the Mad Max franchise, which, uh, Joel, I was very surprised to find out that, like, this wasn't common knowledge that Beyond Thunderdome was the third in a series. No, anytime they do that, and I find this with the Die Hard movies, too, when they start adding those subtitles, you uh-huh. start to lose track. You is lose if- track of it, but there, but there were only there were only three movies. Now, the thing was, the original Mad Max wasn't released in America, like, that, that for the longest time... It didn't see an American release, but it was like you could find it on like TBS every once in a while. But it, it never had like a major American release and wasn't like it wasn't released on on videotape or anything like that. It was finally released on DVD. And uh, what what a lot of people and this is just for me reading like a lot of articles and stuff. Nope. Uh, what what was generally viewed as the first Mad Max movie here in America was The Road Warrior. And that's what I thought, too. Yeah. Uh, and that's what a lot of people thought, apparently. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, they're like, oh, yeah, the second one. <laughs> and that's why it was funny when, when Garrett had sent in his his uh, request for this one. Oh, uh, well, this is a request. I had no it, idea. Well, the thing is, we already had it on our list. Right. But it was also requested by Garrett through our Facebook page. Nice. And, uh, Thanks, and he Garrett. had said, he's like, I'd love for you to talk about Mad Max, but not... Not the Road Warrior. Talk about Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, and I'm like, wait, you, did you forget? What about, about the original Mad, Mad Max? Max? We could have been confused. Uh, so the he sto- does not recognize the, the story of Max. And what's what's funny when you watch the original Mad Max, mm-hmm. like Max isn't really a main character until like the last third of the movie. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Did we find out why he's so mad? <laughs> 
He's not well. His family ends up getting killed. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So the original story, just to give you a little bit of history on Mad Max, uh, the original movie kind of takes place in like this post-apocalyptic uh, society, but they're still kind of holding on to like you know what makes us humane and what makes us human. Uh, and Max and his buddy, uh, gosh, what was his friend's name? Bucky. No, I can't remember off okay. the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, he had taking a Winter Soldier. Approach had, no, no, it was it was good. I, I applaud that. <laughs> but he had he had a buddy that was kind of the main cop. And he ends up getting, like, taken out by this biker gang, burned yeah. really badly. And so, you know, Max, in response to this, retires. <laughs> he, <laughs> wow. he doesn't get mad. He retires with his family, That's and they go to, like, the coast or whatever. And what happens is his wife and child end up getting killed by these this, these road ravagers. The same. And that's when Max gets mad. Mm. And he goes after these guys. And the very end, when he takes out the last guy, that's where we get that this infamous scene that ended up uh, inspiring another movie. Uh, and when I tell you about this, you're going to know what it was. He ends up crashing this guy's car, handcuffs him to the body of the car, lets the gas start flowing out, and he puts a lighter down. Oh, no. And he's like, yeah, so uh, I, I see that thing's probably going to blow in about <laughs> 10 minutes. He's like, so those cuffs that you're wearing, they're high tensile steel, and uh, it, it, here's a hacksaw. If you're good, you should be able to cut through that in about 10, 15 minutes. Huh? But it might be wiser. You could probably hack through your ankle in five. <sighs> And just leaves him the saw and you and choose. walks off and lets him choose and the car ends up blowing up. It's like as the, the prequel to Saw. That's what I'm saying. Oh, apparently the creators of Saw no. saw Mad Max and used that a lot of as the basis of that, especially that first Saw movie. Interesting. So then Mad Max: The Road Warrior is kind of like a spaghetti western in that you know Max finds himself kind of stuck between two warring factions. Mm -hmm. They're like they're fighting over like the gasoline or whatever, right? Uh, and like Lord Humongous, this huge guy wearing like this hockey mask, which predates Friday the Thirteenth by like a year. Oh, uh, really? Well, a year before Jason started wearing the mask. Ah. Uh, and so that's where that kind of shows up, where Max kind of becomes the unlikely hero. I thought you were going to say predates Bane by a couple it, of decades. Oh, it predates it predates Bane by quite a bit. He's very Baneish. <laughs> Uh, and so, Danish. Uh, Danish. so that brings us to Mad Max Three mm -hmm. Beyond Thunderdome. I'm so glad you did that that little retrospect, that little walk down memory lane, because I have not. This is the first of any Mad Max movie that I've seen is Beyond Thunderdome. Wow! I know. I really wanted to watch Road Warrior because that's what everybody said. Road Here, Warrior's fantastic. Here's everything I said or, or that I've heard. Skip Mad Max, the original. Because everything you need to know about it, you find out in the first 10 minutes of, of Road Warrior, right? Does that sound about right? So then I was like, all right, I'm going to go right to Road Warrior, and then I'll watch Beyond Thunderdorm, which apparently everybody agrees is, is the least of the three. It, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is. And that's, you know what? I remember liking it a lot less before watching it again. Okay. Before we recorded this. I have found myself appreciating it. In in a certain way, is this? Um, but go, please go ahead. No, I was going to say, is this uh, to go back to the Bane comparison? Is it like a a Dark Knight Return arises for you? Uh, it, you know what? In a way, mm -hmm. only because the, the it's it's like they they suddenly kind of get it wrong, <laughs> <laughs> but the motivations make sense. You know, I kind of yeah, like I yeah. get what happens. Me too. And I get like the emotional connection for him mm -hmm. with for Max with what happens in the second half of this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. So Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. We find, you know, we, we open up desolate wasteland, post-apocalyptic, blah, blah, blah. You've heard the story twice before. Uh, and we we see this lone figure going, you know, riding across the desert. These camels pulling a cart, which happens to be a car. 
it's Max's car. Mm. And we're kind of like swinging in down on him, and we find out we're the POV of an airplane that knocks him out of the seat or whatever. And, you know, he ends up getting his shit stolen by Jedediah, who was the, the gyro pilot in The Road Warrior. Right. Ends up getting his stuff stolen by Jedediah and his son. And, uh, and so Mad Max tr- uh, tracks them to this place called Bartertown. And what Bartertown is, it's almost like this, they're trying to reestablish society. They're trying to rebuild but they're doing it in like the most basic <laughs> barbaric way. This poor job of it, I would yes. say. Yeah, a, a shitty job, <laughs> to use a quite literal term. Uh, and so we find out like the place is being powered by methane that's being produced by pig shit. Pig shit. Uh, and it's kind of the control of Barter Town is being contested between two people. Well, three technically. Uh, <laughs> a- anti en- entity entity ant ant entity anti entity. But apparently she's never referred to that in the film. They just call her Auntie throughout auntie. the whole thing, auntie. which is played by Tina Turner, mm-hmm. by sexy ass. She's Tina a private Turner. dancer, <laughs> dancing for money, rolling, woo, rolling, woo. You have to do all the do's. Yeah, there's a lot of do's in there. A lot of do do's. So it's run by her and. Master Blaster. <sighs> and Master Blaster is like this, it's this uh, dwarf yes. who rides on the back of this huge muscular guy. Right. Uh, and so they, they're kind of fighting for control and Auntie is like, well, hey, listen, Max, I'll give you all the stuff that was stolen from you if you take out Ma- uh, Blaster mm-hmm. because I want control of Bartertown. Uh, and that, that brings us to the Thunderdome mm-hmm. where he starts a fight with Blaster and uh, and the whole law is if you start a fight, you know, you go to Thunderdome, two men enter, one man leaves. Oh, oh, really? Was that how the... Because how the, well, I'm unclear. You may not is have it, noticed. Is it one man enters and two leave? You may or not two enter and two Joel. leave? Or they, one leave? They only and... mention it really quickly. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> what is with the chant? The ever... Uh, ominous chant. They, everybody... they chant everything. They, yes. They chant everything. In unison. Uh... Ad nauseum. So, so, okay, if we're going to bust down on this. Bustin. Um, makes me feel good. Then then I, I kind of want to start, I want to start when Max gets into Bartertown mm-hmm. first. Um, you know, wh- we're, we're shown in the Road Warrior that Max kind of has quicker reflexes. But they've kind of turned him into a superhero at this point that he is like, you know, he has Jack Burton style reflexes uh-huh. in this movie. You know, he, he's, he goes into Bartertown, he's trying to get his stuff and he's given uh, some slack. Or, or, or some flack at the, from the guy at the desk, and like this dude named uh, named Ironbar tries to get up in his face, and Max just immediately pulls out a shotgun. Bam! Uh, like they're really they're 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 heightening the reflexes to a superhuman degree in this. He also seems. Uh, so what's the time difference? Because I'm a little confused. Because apparently, so Mad Max. The apocalypse hasn't happened yet in the original Mad Max. In the original right? Mad Max, well, it's it's a broken down like okay. post war society. But there's still order. But and then, he's a cop, obviously. Yeah, between, so. between Mad Max and and the Road Warrior, uh-huh. that's when like two of the the last warring countries fired off the nukes. Okay, and that's when like so that everything is became a officially post apocalyptic. Yes, but then World War Three hasn't happened yet in Road Warrior, right? But it has between. Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome. This is just what I'm read. So. Yeah, so it's along those okay, lines. Okay, okay. Yeah. Either way, he looks like Moses in this movie. Well, first of all, like first the first time off. we see him, he's yeah. got these long gray locks. He's he's got like the the Braveheart thing going on. Yes. With, with some gray peppered in there. There you go. Yeah, even even like near the end of the movie when he's kind of cleaned up a little bit, he's got a got a, a full head of gray hair. Yes. So I I wasn't sure if this was some sort of 
obviously this is the third of of this. Well, he trilogy. was gray in the Road Warrior. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. He was. He was. They they threw some gray on his hair. So this isn't like a Luke Skywalker. He's learned a lot from the last movie, and now he's a he's a full Jedi. He's no, come no, back. No. He's still just the same dude. All right. That's kind of the thing about Max. Max never really evolves. There's no much. progression. Uh, he's which, Ash which from is, the Evil Dead, which is kind of funny because uh, a lot like the argument about Indiana Jones, about like you know. The the movies that we love, the Indiana Jones movies that we love, are the ones where he really isn't effective as a hero. Like he had he not been involved, the Where bad guys it? would have fucking off themselves anyway. Right. And then in this one, like where he's actually he goes through an arc, he goes through a change, and this is the one where people are like fuck that. Um, he uh, he's he's he hasn't learned much. Okay. I, I would say in this movie is the one where he learns the most about All right. like himself and oh. goes through more of a personal change. It's a, it's a quieter. Yeah, a quieter, gentler. Quieter Mad Max. Gentler Mad Max. A less Mad Max. <laughs> just, just slightly. Just aggravated. Per- he's a perturbed Max. <laughs> I'd like to see a Mad Max. He's, a, he's miffed Max. How about a Mad Max, Mad Mortigan mashup? Mad Mardigan? Mad Mardigan. What did I say? Mortigan? Mortigan. Mardigan. Yeah. <laughs> Mad, Mad Mardigan. Amy Madigan. Amy Madigan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so right off the bat when he goes into Barter Town and they, there's kind of this like Really cool shot where they go into this uh, this this homemade elevator thing. Like it's this piece oh, together elevator. Right. But he goes in this elevator. The camera swings around mm-hmm. and gets like you you take in the entire the entirety of Barter Town, and then it swings back around and they're going up this elevator. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great great move. Impressive shot. And also, I noticed they've had to man. You really got to ride the the exposure because they're shooting out a window. And everybody inside, if you know anything about like film and video, like that's hell, like shooting yes. towards the window because people think, oh, look what a nice little backdrop you have there. Well, yeah, but your eye can adjust and and take in you know different different uh, exposures Apertures. of light. Thank you. Than a camera can, so you really got to ride that exposure. Um, and so yeah, when they're when they're tilting down and you see everything around, did a really good job of making sure everyone was lit in the foreground. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, but yeah, just a great looking. This is one of these like Lawrence of Arabia, where you know nowadays they would get twelve extras and just shoot them ten different times in ten different locations and like composite them. Some graphic artist is going to composite yeah. it together, and this is like no, we're going to get a hundred extras. Everybody, I was really impressed with the. Um, the, the the costumes and the way uh-huh. it, you know they, this is a fully realized world. I don't know that it's a world that I would have realized. I don't understand where like fucking leather bondage comes in in the future That's where society is broken Australian. down. It, it yeah. looks like there are parts of this movie that look like a minute work video. The 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 fat guy, the collector who you yeah. talked about, who he's, he's kind of picking a fight with at the beginning, like is is wearing just like a washcloth around his yes. nipples, yeah. and it's it's kind of it's more skin than I feel like somebody of that size would voluntarily show, even in a post apocalyptic future. But at the same time. You think about like the way he was photographed, and like there's this one push in Mm -hmm. when they lose power and they kind of push in on him. Like some powerful imagery, like some really good imagery going on. Shadows Uh and uh, everything just feels dirty. Yeah. And sandy because they they do an excellent job with illustrating this world. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, just to kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead just to make this point. You know, when in the first half, especially in like when it's Barter Town, mm-hmm. everything feels so flat and it's so like, it, for lack of a better term, it's very monochromatic in sure. a way. 
Uh, and and I love that. I love that how it like Wizard of Oz's itself when he goes <laughs> into the oasis where where the kids are living, and suddenly it's like vast shots, and he's working with yeah. depth with kids in the background, and like there's so much there's so many so much dynamic action going on, and and independent of everything that's going on in the scene, there's so many moving parts when they go back, and and then they get into Barter Town. You kind of notice like oh well they were kind of balancing that already with Barter Town, but I didn't really notice it. Until he got to that oasis. It's a good point. It does kind of feel like two different movies, both visually uh, and then yes, yeah, yeah. When when he, when he meets the Lost Boys, uh-huh. and it becomes oh, yeah. fucking Swiss Family Robinson. Uh, Steven Spielberg owes George Miller some fucking money <laughs> after right. watching this movie. I was right. like, wow, because the, there's the part where he wakes up and he's hanging from the rope. Right. And yeah. They're like, fly, Captain, fly. Bangarang. Bangarang. Exactly. <laughs> there's it's totally the bangarang moment. Yeah. And then. Uh, you know, you've got these kids talking about Tomorrow Morrowland, like Neverland. Right. Uh, and then there's even a moment where a little kid takes a fucking alarm clock out of a chest. Mm-hmm. Remember this? And bashes it with a hammer. Yeah. I'm like, um. That literally happened. That literally in happened hook. in Hook. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like I want to champion George Miller and be like, it's time to sue Spielberg yeah. and get what's rightfully there yours. You because he watched Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and was like, hey, this is a good idea for a Hook movie. Is that what Spielberg? That's does? my best Spielberg. <laughs> That's, pretty good. That's the best I can do. I believe in you, Mad Max. But no, you are so fucking right that uh, this is two separate movies that they tried to just kind of push together because you would have had a really kick-ass movie about like imagine this that we go with the original the original uh, concept of this when, when you first open up mm-hmm. that he's in Thunderdome or he's in Barter Town right and he has to take out Barter Town he, he has to take out uh, Blaster in the Thunderdome mm-hmm. and then decides not to do it when he finds out that Blaster's like you know uh, a mongoloid he, yeah kind yeah yeah th- there you go very sensitive <laughs> well no uh, that's that's what he is he is uh. And and when he he reveals like hey you know that's that was never part of the deal or I'm backing out on the deal and there's that whole like you know bust a deal face the wheel how much more interesting <laughs> would this chapter of Mad Max's life had been if this was like the movie where he busts the deal and is like forced to to fight in the Thunderdome like a gladiator like this is turned into like a gladiatorial combat I thought that's where they were going and he teams up with Master like they're both working the the pig shit pens and like <laughs> he he ends up kind of teaming up with Master and they kind of get to they get to understanding each other yeah and he kind of becomes his Mickey, like from Rocky or whatever. Yeah. And so, like, then <laughs> they're the chasing whole... chickens around, right? Chasing pigs. pigs. Yeah. You can chase this pig. You can <laughs> you win. Chase thunder. pig. <laughs> That's right. It would be very <laughs> monosyllabic. Uh, Actually, and... I should mention this is the second movie in a week where we have both little people and pigs. Yeah. Uh, this is a trend that I do not want to continue. Well, just I have for a, the record. I have a feeling. We're, well, oh, maybe next week we'll be getting along. Oh. at least the pigs. Oh. oh. All right. So, I know what you mean by that. so the. Uh, in joke, funny. The, it would it would have been a lot more of an interesting movie, mm-hmm. a, at least this first half, because I do think the second half makes its own compelling story as well. Yeah, but you know, to have this story about him fighting in a gladiatorial arena, and that you know, especially when you're calling it Beyond Thunderdome, right? The Thunderdome is in the fucking subtitle, and you, you only see it for about two minutes. I, yeah, and I, I was complaining about that, and then I did a little retrospective thinking, and I was like, you know what? It is Beyond Thund- Thunderdome, so you can't really save Thunderdome for the the last. But act. Thunderdome is barely the, a major set piece. I know. I don't, I don't Call know. it Beyond Barter Town. Was, or, or, there you, you go. Know, well, Mad Thunderdome Max, just sounds awesome. Mad Max and the Children of Tomorrow. That sounds lame. That sounds like what? a fucking... It sounds like a Superman movie. Sounds like a George Lucas title. Oh, okay. 
Well, what would you have titled it? Uh, Well, I wouldn't have. I I do like Thunderdome. Is is the concept of Thunderdome something that was introduced earlier? Because it sounds awesome. And I just, knowing nothing about this movie going into it or this world, I was like, oh, Thunderdome. I'm in. I don't even give a fuck what Thunderdome is, but I want to see it. And I want it to be a, a big thing. And then uh-huh. it, it felt like a children's playground. You know, one of those Fisher-Price uh-huh. sets that you see? It felt really small and myopic. Yeah. Um, and and am I the only one who thinks that that fight scene that he has with Blaster in there is kind of fucking ridiculous? I read a re- review, George Ebert. George Ebert? Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. George Siskel. Siskel. Wow, I combined them. <laughs> M- much like uh, uh, last well, week, the you know, uh, the Ober, Oberisk or whatever it's called. They're, from, they're from both Willow. in the same place now. Uh, Mix- no, I don't mean that in a bad way. They're, oh, okay. they're Hell. mixing their celestial energies and <laughs> rating <laughs> movies from beyond. <laughs> Will you fucking make your sure, point, okay, for sure. God's sake? Um, I thought it was kind of ridiculous. And Roger Ebert was like, oh, this is the best action. It was so inventive. I thought it was inventive. They're I'll fucking give it on bungee cords. We haven't jumping seen, around we never on... saw anything like that before. Uh, okay, so maybe and, it was groundbreaking at the time. When you, and think about think back to like the shots. Mm-hmm. Like that's actually Mel Gibson like flipping yes. and going up and grabbing this Doing or whatever. stunts. Like that's... He's even credited as part of the stunt crew. Is of course. It, we, Sarah and I were watching the credits, and I'm like, Mel Gibson's credited in the stunt crew. No. Why would they do that? Because it's not enough that you're your lead bill in this movie. That's already a sequel of a movie that you yeah were the lead in before, and yes. you're the titular role. Uh huh. You, you've got to have you every gotta, little role that every you did. little credit that you can get. Every now, little I, thing I think for does. for what it was, I thought that it was a very inventive. I thought it was very creative. Uh, it had to be, man, that Thunderdome, I mean, we talk about how it's a children's playground, but shooting in that thing and shooting what they shot, like that fight sequence, that's deceptively difficult. Like, True, yes. It, it, I, I bet it was, I, I think that he deserves a lot more credit for getting for getting that out. And we talk about this on MVP about like the wrestling matches and stuff about mm. how they have to tell a story. And I thought that that fight between Max and Blaster told a story. It, it was it was effective, and there wasn't a whole lot of like you know banter back and forth. He wasn't no. being Spider Man or anything like that. No, it was a lot of desperation. I was on the edge of my seat, and the whole bit where he's got the dog whistle. Thank you. Uh, which is great. It isn't like a Deus Ex Machina thing because he had a dog in the Road Warrior, and mm. he had that's why he had the dog whistle. Oh no! And so that's kind of cool that they they brought it back, and it it made sense for him to have it. What happened to the dog? Did I'm they John Wick the dog? To, you need to watch. You need to watch oh, the Road Warrior. Man. So um. So that whole struggle where mm-hmm. he's got the whistle and you know what he's going to do with it. Right. They've, I think they, they check off gunned it perfectly and you know where he's going to go with that thing and he can't get to it. More compelling than Indiana Jones and Willie Scott <laughs> chasing around for like Nurhachi yes. and the antid- or the diamond and the antidote in the beginning of Temple of Doom. Uh. I was on the edge of my seat more where he's trying to get to that fucking dog whistle. I hear you, except for the fact that you're right. They set it up previously um, when he went before they even decide to duel. Uh-huh. Th- what an alarm goes off and Blaster goes crazy and starts holding his ears. Ah, he's very Grendelish from uh, uh, Beowulf, um, and that's when uh, Mel Gibson's got his little whistle. He's like, "Oh, let me try something." Blows the dog whistle. So we we set it up. We find it out. Okay, great. Cut to. The Thunderdome match. Mm-hmm. Why does it take him so long? He gets his ass kicked for like a good five minutes. Oh yeah, and then he's like, "Oh, yeah, I got this whistle here." And it's like, wh- why wasn't that the, that the first thing that you tried? Was he trying to lull him into a false sense a of false security? Sense of security? I don't know. Okay, you know, because it infuriated me. Max isn't a superhuman, and so right. So you'd think he'd want to use every advantage. He'd, he'd want to get to it as soon as he exactly. Could. I think there was, was a lot of proof just, something. I think there was a lot of just trying to measure him up. You know that that Max. But was we saw kinda, everyone's talked about how you know. 
uh, he's lifted him up twice. Like talk, he, he talk feels his strength. Talk is cheap, Joel. All right, all right. I think he figured if he had the 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 advantage of being able to move around a little bit more, that maybe he'd have been able to hold his own. Well, maybe if you weren't attached to bungee cords from the top of this thing, <laughs> right? It just looks awkward, and the way they're swinging each other around, I don't really feel like anybody's getting any damage done to him. It's just like, oh, we're going for a ride. Well, it well, seems like something but, I would pay but then tickets. There, but then there are the moments where Blaster is pulling him back and like wily coyoteing him up against okay. the fucking side. And of that the, was the, the first time when it felt. When there was some some terror, some real sense of danger, because they didn't, I didn't feel like they set up that there were spikes, there were spikes inward inside. spikes inside the dome, uh-huh. and that that seems to be the goal: propel your your opponent into one of said spikes. Right. Uh, yeah, that was pretty. Hor- I could have had more of that and less of them just doing like this pirouette in the uh-huh. middle of Thunderdome. I I agree. I can I can I can agree with you on that. And I think that this is something that would have been fixed if just fighting in the Thunderdome mm-hmm. several times in the movie. Was like the focus of the film. Yeah. Like the story was told through a sequence of fights, much like the movie Gladiator, Mm -hmm. where, you know, Max is fighting a bunch of contestants until he gets, he he basically fights and like leads, uh, inspires a rebellion against Auntie, you know, to usurp her and give control of Bartertown you know, maybe to pig killer or, you know, one of these other people, like maybe there's there's someone down in the pig pits that would have made a good leader and was stuck down there, like not master, but someone mm-hmm. who was stuck down in the pits and forgotten. And they used to be like maybe some kind of a, a head honcho or someone who, who could have been a good leader, but they were fucking hidden away. Hmm. And Max could have helped them because it's never Max. Max should never be the one that's like at the end gets the ultimate prize. That's never right. his story. Uh, he's just kind of someone like the man with no name in the yeah. Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. westerns. He's the catalyst. He's just the catalyst. Exactly. Um, all right. So, so you liked the? the oh, go ahead. No, you go on. Because I'm, I'm I'm jumping back to the Lost Boys here, the children. Uh huh. Because that happens what about halfway through the movie, right? About halfway through the movie, Where it's we're like introduced. it's two separate flicks, two separate films, and I to, see to me the children felt like the Ewoks of this film. If this is the return of the Jedi of the Mad Max trilogy before, of course, of course, the new one. Oh, it looked like I hurt you there a little no, bit no, by no, saying I've, such I've things. A, I've had a sore neck. Oh, sorry about that. It's It's been hurting actually pretty bad. Joe, what's that over there? I'm not looking. All right, very smart. Look. That was a test. You, you passed. <laughs> passed. All right, so you're, gonna talk, you're talking about the children. Uh, yeah, I just felt like, uh, again, it felt like it was a, out of a different movie, and everything I knew about the Mad Max character, again, from not having seen the previous two movies, didn't seem like a dude who would hang around a bunch of children and be endeared to them. And he's and he's not though, mm-hmm. like especially mm-hmm. not at first. I, I, he almost isn't. <laughs> not even at the very end. Like he doesn't love these kids. He doesn't really care about the kids. Right. You know, his whole thing is especially when he goes there and he's like he tells them, "Listen, I'm not this Captain Walker guy." And they're like, "Well, whatever. We're going to go to the town where you came from. He slogged across the desert and he made his way here. We can make it too." And he tries to stop them. And I don't think he's trying to stop them because, like, oh, I, I care so much about these kids. But I don't think he wants their deaths on his. If he can prevent it, mm. he doesn't want these kids to die because he understands, like, they got it good. In the middle of a wasteland, they're in the middle of this oasis that's got clean water. Education. And education. So and, what? And, uh, and, like, vegetation. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. That's All the paradise. Asians. And he's a man that's seen what's out there. Mm-hmm. And they saved him mm-hmm. so the least he could do whether they like it or not right. is to prevent them from making a dumb mistake doesn't want to give them false hope right. and uh, a promise that he so can't in- upkeep instead you know max being a guy that we have seen in previous films being a guy that you know knows that he needs to to repay something that's done to him that something is done for him he repays the kindness you know and that's when he ultimately goes and treks across the desert to try to find uh, savannah and right. the other kids yeah. that's him just owing 
owing somebody. Like, yeah. I, I owe you that debt. I've found you guys. And now it makes no sense. We can't trek back across the desert. We've got to keep going to Barter Town. It's closer. Is he on a mission throughout the entire Mad Max trilogy, or is he just like he's, he's just, just a, a guy, a stranger a in a land, trying yeah. to survive? Yeah, he's just a, a nomad, and he and keeps, keeps getting pulled into these misadventures. He's getting pulled into the misadventures. All right. And what I liked about this, and this is probably really stupid and sentimental, but what I liked about it is, <laughs> you know, this is a guy whose family was slaughtered, and like pigs. And since then, <laughs> coming back to the, <laughs> you're all pigs. <laughs> Uh, and and since then he's got just like this legacy of death and blood on his hands, and what I liked about this movie was that it's redemption. It's redemption for the character, and it shows that you know even uh, under the the most wild circumstances that this is a man that can also pr- preserve life instead of just taking it. Ah, uh, I like that. And I I appreciate that on on the part of like you know of George Miller. Uh, and I can't remember who co-directed this thing. Uh, but, oh, yeah. But it is the only one that he co-directed with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's probably why this feels like two separate films. Yeah. But and, and but I feel like had this been a movie just on its own about Max, you know, going across the wastelands and he comes across these kids, almost playing a little bit like Road Warrior at first where it's like you've got this warring faction of raiders mm-hmm. that know these kids are there. Like they end up finding out the kids are there. Maybe because Max accidentally leads them there. There you go then the, the stakes are higher mm-hmm. and it makes a little bit more sense and that's a good story on its own. That would have been a great Mad Max part four, you know, the, the children of, of tomorrow. The corn. <laughs> the yeah. children of the corn, the children <laughs> of the desert, the <laughs> oasis. Uh, you know, that would have been a great story for just that movie on its own and that's where I come back to, I like the story of what's going on in Bartertown. I like the story of what's going on at the oasis. I don't think they should have intersected with each other. Yeah, it does seem like a lot to, to mash into. And and I'm introduced to like so many new characters yeah. that I, I started forgetting some of the other uh-huh. characters. And I'm like, yeah. who is... Uh, so I'm, I'm watching this and I'm trying to recast. And it was impossible for me to guess like who is important enough in this movie for me to recast. Oh, right. Because yeah. I'm halfway through and I'm like, all right, well, we've kind of abandoned some of these. Jedediah, who is like third build in this fucking movie. Uh-huh. I haven't seen him since the first scene. Right. And- Where does he show up? Obviously, he's got to have a big role, and then really doesn't. And no, he doesn't. No, and it, it's it's this weird, it, it's this weird, uh, convenient. Like we came across Jedediah, he's got a plane. The kids need to get the fuck away, yeah. and so we use him as a device to get them out of there. Right. Um, no, just because Bruce Spence played a bigger part in the Road Warrior. Yeah, that's what. And I, then they they brought him back. For that's this. what I figured. So, and I know I'm going into this the complete wrong way by not having seen any of them, but I'm starting with the worst one. <laughs> I really wanted to see Road Warrior. I have to go back and watch you it now. You should go see Road Warrior. I do want to. I've got uh the original Mad Max on Blu-ray. They I just will they just take released that. uh a, a special edition of it on Blu-ray. Nice. Uh it looks fantastic. I have I've, I bought Beyond Thunderdome on Blu-ray. <laughs> It was five bucks. As part of a set? Oh, you did this of yeah, your own volition. Yeah, my own volition. For this podcast? Because honestly, eventually we could just like, you know, give these things away. We do drawings and Hell stuff yeah. at, at the live shows. Oh, that's a great so idea. So we could always do that. Nice. Um, all right. So Ooh. the- um, <laughs> can, we, can we talk about Miss Turner? Uh, well, before we talk about Miss Turner, okay. I do want to just explore this just a little bit more because we've talked about it. Uh, and we touched on it. You didn't like my subtitle, but I do think Beyond Thunderdome is an inappropriate subtitle for this movie. Agreed. Uh, but I don't know how else you would have described this film. Hmm. Other than calling it Mad Max Just 3. Just fucking call it Mad Max 3. Why does everything have to have a subtitle? Because it is what was, it is. Because it was never called Mad Max 2. It was Mad Max, the Road Warrior. And then I kind of felt like you could have called this something else instead of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. 
it could have been something else, you know. Yeah. It, it, Live or die, Mad Max. Mad Max. <laughs> Fa- face the wheel. Well, there you go. Uh, you know, Fad, uh, the the Curse of the Black Pearl, Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> dead man's dead man's chest. Trying to think of other <laughs> water movies bladders. with needless subtitles. Horses getting sucked into the quicksand. Ooh, that was, oh. that was terrifying. That was, yeah, that was, wasn't it? Yeah. Surely no horses were harmed in them. This was my childhood, Joel. Watching the never-ending story and seeing Artax the horse uh, get sucked down into the swamps of sadness, uh, and then seeing this horse get sucked down into sand, like. Horses, this is why horses terrify me, because I'm afraid they're going to die. They do. Yeah. Every movie you've ever seen. They, they serve their purpose, and they're good horses, and there's always a good relationship, but it's always understood. Like, if it's you or me, <laughs> if it's the rider or the horse. Your glue. Horses never, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> going to call you Elmer. Wait, what about that movie Hidalgo? Mm-hmm. Did, no, did, but didn't did the Hidalgo, horse die at the end? Did Hidalgo die? I think he did. I'm, uh, I'm never watching maybe that Maybe not that one. If Hidalgo fucking dies. Fucking, uh, what, what's what's the one with uh, the short guy? Spider-Man, Peter Parker. What's his name? Tobey Tobey Maguire. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 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 what's his name? Who? God damn who it. Who watches the Kentucky I knew it, Derby? I knew here. it until you just asked. Uh, it's and like, it's... Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking all right. about. We all know. Yeah. Listeners Google it at home. That movie. I think the horse dies at the end, right? Or they have to put it to sleep. The horse that wins the Derby. Jeff, you on top? of that <laughs> way like, to go he's so he's, checked out he's staring off into fucking space <laughs> he's had enough sea of biscuit. Mad Max. sea biscuit sea biscuit there you go i knew if i gave myself enough time i'd i'd figure it out one of many horses yeah, who did not survive their that, own that film just, it, it, it it makes me very sad that there was it does this, to me too there's this weird like uh, this weird obsession with killing horses off in these movies speaking of killing things off mm. george miller mm. um what I found funny about this movie, especially in the, the final chase, the Road Warrior style chase in this movie, nobody fucking dies. No one gets killed <laughs> yeah. at the end of this movie. That's like, true. No one. None uh, of the bad guys. But he got no problem killing a fucking uh, a, a, a mentally uh, yes. cha- a develop, developmentally challenged individual. <laughs> All right. Uh, so and nice a kid. A kid gets sucked into the quicksand. Oh, that's right. Remember that? Yes. So George oh. Miller, man, I'm going to kill children. Kids and mentally handicapped. <laughs> and mentally handicapped, but I'm not going to kill any bad guys. What? No bad guys get killed in this What movie. the hell? Yeah. And that's not how it is in the other two, is it? No. There's, there's a so body much, count all over the there's place. There's so much death. Interesting. There's so much death. And even in this new one, Mad Max Fury Road, oh, yeah. there is some shit that goes down oh, in this I can't movie. wait. It's so fucking What good, do I need man. to know about Mad Max? You don't need to know anything. Good. You don't need to know anything. This movie- Should have started there yeah fury road condenses it all perfectly good and just you it throws you into the middle of it uh no it's it's a fantastic is movie. the subtitle serve that movie better than beyond thunderdome yes all right there's yes. a road and it's because furious the road they travel down is nothing but furious <laughs> and sometimes fast oh yeah <laughs> is it ever fast and furious uh yes oftentimes uh between uh, between time code of uh, f- four minutes <laughs> and and the hour and 55 minute mark. I'm your private dancer. Right. Uh, all right. So Tina Turner. I do. We got to talk about Tina Turner. Turner. Because this is turd. Is, Tina is, turd is what we should is call this her. The worst, this is the worst. Is this the worst performance of a, a, a singer songwriter in a movie? Uh, uh, because you think about Madonna well, in Die Another Day. It's pretty pretty bad. Madonna in just about anything <laughs> she's been in. Uh, gosh, there's Cher in Burlesque. Yes, I was gonna say that's <laughs> fresh on my mind. <laughs> there's so many. There's so many. So I've got to ask, like, you know, was this re- was she really that no, bad? No, she wasn't really that bad. And in fact, there's the one scene where Master. Of the aforementioned Master Blaster of the universe. <laughs> what, uh, what the fuck with that name? 
Why why is he named Master Blaster? That is the most ridiculous name. Uh, it's it's hard to have like a post-apocalyptic movie They're that's Australian. supposed to be dark. I get it, but they speak English. They are able to make a, a, a film do that speak English. Yeah, what's what's that? Got this to do? is no. This is what I'm saying. There's nothing about the words Master Blaster that is cool or. I thought or, it was kind of cool. Master Blaster yeah. isn't that? That's like a video game from the '80s. It's, it's also a porn star's name. It was even. It's <laughs> <laughs> a whole new spin on it, and it's even more ridiculous when they go on to explain. Oh, the little the little guy that he's, he's running on. He's because master. He's the brains, and then Blaster's the brawn. I like it. I thought it worked. All right. I, I don't, oh, and then maybe the just me. I, I thought it was. I thought it was kind of silly. It's Australian. Joel, I I really... No, no, no. You're making (laughs) excuses for the uh, the Australian Here's Here's what I do want to say. Crocodile Dundee. There's a cool Australian name. No, it's not cool at all. It's it's not even cool a little bit. Remember when he went to L.A., how cool that was? (laughs) Nope, I'd never watched that one. Coming soon. Oh, well, you will. (laughs) You will, my friend. You will be. (laughs) Uh, All right, so what I do want to point out is watching George Miller's Mad Max movies is not unlike watching Sam Raimi and his Evil Dead trilogy. Hmm. Uh, they they're very much alike, and in fact, they kind of follow each other thematically. You know, you think of Sam Raimi's Evil Dead, uh, very low budget, mm-hmm. uh, and, and but but effective for what it was. It was a horror movie, yeah. kind of a student film horror movie, shot kind of guerrilla style, more of a setup for the sequel. Yes, uh, the first Mad Max, very low budget movie. It, it's kind of uh, you know it sets up the story, but it's something that we end up rehashing in the second mm-hmm. one. Then you've got Evil Dead Two. Definitely superior to the first one. Right. It was a fantastic movie, kind of telling the same exact story, yeah, but just better. Not kind of. The Road Warrior does the same thing. That's what I'm told. Kind of tells the same story, but better. And it's a little bit bigger budget. It's better than the first one. Then you've got Army of Darkness. That's so not an Evil Dead movie. It's way like, out of left field. Ash is suddenly a cocky it's, bastard, and, and he's comedic. not sick. It's comedic. That's kind of what Beyond Thunderdome is. Okay, that's how Beyond I felt. Beyond Thunderdome is definitely a lot more comedic. It's you know Max is a little bit more of a you know a brazen bastard, mm. and and that's kind of like it feels like it's the same exact thing, and and you know what I'll even go so far as to say like the new Evil Dead remake, I would compare that is to Fury like Mad Road? Max Fury Road. That Interesting. like wow they did it in a fresh new way. Some people might not like it. Some people might not like it as much as the classic. But some people will really enjoy what's going on there. And I think Fury Road's the same way. That it's you know a fresh take on what we've seen before. Done really well. I think some people are going to still be purists and be like, I prefer Road Warrior. But there's going to be a lot of people that are like, man, Fury Road's pretty fucking fantastic. And I fall into that. Mm. And so looking at George Miller like a Sam Raimi, it, it makes me forgive a lot more of what's going on in this movie. Okay. To have a character named Master Blaster, <laughs> it's comedic. You know, it's yeah. funny. And the thing is, I mean, what do we have in this movie? We They, they lower him into a pit full of pigs yes. to torture him. That's I mean, it's cruel, but it's kind it of It was funny. cruel, it's I know. It's kind of funny was, to watch. I was like, what are the pigs going to do to that little guy? You know, yeah, <laughs> that he's so hor- horrified know, right? just being they... raped by a pig. <laughs> oh, God. Well, they are horny. And they we, have we did talk about 30 that in the minute Willow. orgasms. That's uh, right. So, but we we saw... Fact. It, Look it up. Fa- fact. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like we should have like a stamp, stamp sound effect. <laughs> 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 that was uh, Law and Order. So the, uh, the, the, the Road Warrior chase in this movie where they're chasing basically... A fucking train, <laughs> which I thought, re- I was like, really? We didn't, like, just take the tracks off? <laughs> you kept the tracks yeah, where they were good point. outside of Bartertown? You thought maybe, like, Bartertown, Bartertown. <laughs> Did I not write the law? I do love, uh, we'll, we'll get back to Tina Turner. Okay, no, but what I want to say is, like, e- even in the chase, at the end, you've got uh, Screwloose. 
who's mm-hmm. climbing from car to car, and he ends up hitting a guy, the guy that's driving the car with a frying pan, and then tries to drive with, like, the frying the pan. Fry- and then, like, finally figures out, like, oh, I've got to get in this car, and he's yeah. steering it from, while standing on the hood. There's a lot of comedic shit happening true, in this movie true. that you would never see in The Road Warrior. Too dark. Like, it's, it's, the Road Warrior is way too dark. This is definitely, you know, kind of giving you a little bit more of a it's giving you a lot of levity mm-hmm. in this movie uh taking the edge off of mad max a little bit which is what they did in army of darkness joel it, like i i can repeat myself over and over again i just feel like looking at it from that point of view looking at george miller as like an australian sam raimi it gives me a little bit more of like a an appreciation for what he was trying to do man I, and i certainly respect because i i i guess i didn't really realize that he was the one directing fury road like i knew he yeah. had done the original 3 but i thought somebody else had much in the same way that the evil dead movie is somebody else has picked up that mantle that this had been passed along and i'd seen the trailers and it looks gorgeous so oh, watching so this good. movie and i'm like wow this is the guy who i guess in what 85 so god 30 years 30 holy years. shit 30 years later He's learned a lot, uh-huh. and that's impressive to, yeah. to just what I've gleaned from the uh, the trailer. And I don't know if he's made anything else since then. Like, <laughs> I don't done think any so. Any other movies? I looked at his IMDb, and it jumps right from wow. There's some TV or something in there, um, but yeah, no. But you're right. It feels weird. And and again, going back to the casting of Tina Turner, it felt like there was a contract obligation somewhere. Or there was a tie-in. They were really wanted to push the song. It was the '80s. When so there did was a Mel lot Gibson of, hit in America? Mm. When did Lethal Weapon come out? Like that. That's that feels I'm, like '82. I'm really curious about that because I have to look that up. There was definitely, you know, Tina Turner was definitely supposed to be like that thing that bridged the American audiences to this Australian film. Oh, I take it back. '87. So two years after this, three years after. Oh wow. No, two years because it's '85. Okay. Yeah, the original Lethal Weapon. So and and are, I think we're on the same page. Wow. Lethal Weapon is when Mel Gibson actually hit in America. I mean, like, I can't he remember. He probably had other film. movies, but Lethal Weapon's his biggest. Yeah, that was when he was really starting to lose his Australian accent. Yeah, like he's it is it is full on in the first one, from the clips I've seen, and this one he's still got it there a little bit. Yeah, might. Yeah. Uh, all right. So yeah, I think Tina Turner was that thing because she's she was hot in the music world, mm-hmm. and they threw her into this movie, and I think that was to draw the American audience. That I don't think there's any other reason for to, to cast <laughs> okay. Tina Turner. Well, and so but that I, she could sing a song that we could play on the radio and which cross promote. Which was a good theme. It's a good song. I, I I don't mind it. Yeah, I was listening to it in the credits. Yeah, and then the, there's another the, Tina the Turner song theme. at the opening. It's the opening, and that's really bad. Yeah, that's really bad. But then we don't need another hero. That's we I mean that that song has survived. Hero. That song has endured the years. And she's a great singer. She's a great. You cannot singer. Uh, say anything about her her vocal talents. But I don't think she did a horrible job in no, this film. But, I agree. But there's definitely that. There's that I'm a, I'm I should stick with what I do best and that's music. You can tell she's not a trained thespian, uh-huh. uh, but she certainly has a stage presence, yes. and a lot of that stuff can be taught. And I I I found her um, endearing in the scene where Master is is forcing her over the loudspeaker. Oh yeah, it's 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 like uh, who, who does number two town? work for? <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, and she's having to say you know Ma- Master does or whatever. And he's like louder. Master blast. You could really tell it was yeah. She does it with the accent though, but you could really tell it was like oh, this is this is painting her. She was putting forth some some effort. And I felt for her. Yeah. Um, what where I both loved and hated this sequence mm. is the very end mm-hmm. after Max like crashes the car into the the caravan so right. the plane could take off, uh, carrying the children mm-hmm. to Tomorrow Morrowland, <laughs> uh, where. She uh, she she comes up upon him. He's laying on the ground. It's almost like the end of the Road Warrior, where he's a bloody mess. Oh yeah. And she she's like standing above him, and she's like, 
I guess we're two of a kind, uh-huh. raggedy man. R- yeah. And then walks back to her car and she says, goodbye, soldier. And then just drives off. And that's off. it. Yeah. <laughs> and just drives off. Fucking five minutes earlier, she was like, no mercy for the ones who've taken Master. But now she's got Max and she just kind of lets him go. And I kind of feel like, all right. I kind of think I understand where you're going with this, like why you've let him go, and like you, there's this weird idea that like we understand there each other better now. There was a little bit of now. honor, but at the same time, I don't think we illustrated that enough with the character to inform the audience that like this is a possibility. It felt a little clunky. Yeah, to I, end it that way. I give you that. Although there was always kind of a, a little. I mean, you know, she she brought him into this, and but he she had wanted served him his purpose. Dead. Like yeah, not initially. <laughs> only but when, once he busted uh, he the deal, she wanted him her. fucking dead. Not yeah. only did she want him dead then, then she finds out this motherfucker stole her hostage that was ensuring her power and security yeah. in Barter Town and helped him escape. And now he's flying off on a plane <laughs> and she's like, Good game. That's great. Yeah, Good right. game, Max. That's grounds to, to kill somebody. Uh-huh. If you are the type of person who, who, who wants to run Barter Town. Yeah. Who run the world? Girls. Sorry, that's my pitch perfect too. That's that's cool. Through. All right, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So overall, I wasn't wasn't bugged by her. Thought she did uh, did a, a a nice job. Just forced and 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 missed opportunities when you think about because you need a good you need a strong villain in that role, right? Um, who can be you need the the Captain Hook. There you go to this to this Peter Pan story. And I think there therein lies the problem, Joel, mm. uh, with Beyond Thunderdome is that. There isn't a clear villain because when right. when Auntie brings Max in and talks about how she wants to take out Master Blaster, like it's understandable why you would want to take him out. He's kind of a tyrant. Yes. And then he turns on her and she's got to kind of save face. Mm-hmm. So I kind of understand those motivations. I don't think. And, and the, the problem is there's no real bad guy in this film. No. And I. I think that's where that's where that's where it goes down the drain is you know without a strong antagonist, there you just kind of your your hero seems kind of empty you it's know it's true the it, cause seems empty it, it's a delicate balance that that all films try to play where it's like you, yeah you need you need a villain who you definitely want to lose you're rooting against Hans, and yet Hans and John there you go Vader and Luke yeah you know but you, you need somebody who's fun and you need they can't just be evil for evil's sake right like, there has to be some sort of motivation. motivation you have to understand their point of view on some level. Um, and I guess you kind of do, but everybody flip flops so often. And la- yeah, like you said, they do such a they spend all of their time setting up Master as this bad guy, uh-huh. and then he kind of flips. And he like he kisses Blaster, and then after he's a little I know, dead. He's I know. Like, Good night, my friend. Yeah. I'm like, well, what the fuck, man? Come it was, on. It was like in Return of the Jedi when the Rancor dies. Yeah. And uh, the big big titted card <laughs> comes in <laughs> yeah, the and he starts crying <laughs> and, and it just kind of makes you think after this movie's done you're like wow this movie probably would have been better like this story would have been a lot better if everybody just would have talked it out yeah I well, don't want to feel that way after a Mad Max no, movie. Yeah, that, uh, they should have just talked it out. <laughs> this all could have been this is just a big misunderstanding. <laughs> should have just all had like uh, some hot cocoa. Yeah, let's share the, the speaking stick. Yeah, and we'll pass it around the campfire. Uh, I, I would have been okay with them talking it out. Hell, I would have even been okay with them all singing it out the way that Tina Turner does. She sings a lot of her lines, and I don't mean. She's she has it's, her, yeah it's she has unintentionally a singing but when she when she has that one big speech uh-huh. about you know where she's she's talking to the people and she's like body town will live like she oh, always yeah. starts I'm like preach sister she gets all sing songy with that shit. we will survive uh huh 
Uh, yeah, that's as, as things are kind of falling apart. Mm-hmm. And she's like, listen to me. There it is, yeah. Listen to me. <laughs> I always wait for the band to like pick it up in the background. We will little, rebuild. little organ. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so do you have anything else? About the only movie? other note I have about this movie is that sweet, sweet ride that he's got at the end. The cowhide-covered car. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that looks... It, it's kind of ridiculous, and it looks like like if if Liberace were into hot rods or sports cars, if Liberace that's was what he would have done. Apocalyptic road warrior. He would have fucking covered his car in cowhide and then have it bejeweled. Yeah, and that's what he would have driven around. Okay, I was a little thrown uh, by yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Up until that point, I like the set design, like the costume design, and, and that's Joel. It's mm. Australian. I, uh, once there's, again, there's a lot of like weird androgyny going on. Oh, there is some in the world of Mad Max. Apparently, in this in the in the first. Too, there's a lot of uh, not homophobia. We'll call it that, but there's some uh, there's homosexual, homosexual undertones. undertones. Oh, and you find jinx. out, especially in the Road Warrior, there's a guy who's got like this kind of a twink of a dude that rides on the back of his bike. Mm. But there's actually <laughs> there's, there's, there's actually a, there's like there's a cut sequence in the movie. You find out that the guy that's riding on the bike behind him is actually a a, a guy a boy that he's adopted as his son. Uh-huh. That there was a massacre, and there was a child left. And that's the child that young, rides. Young Boba that, Fett that rides with him. Yeah, it's it's young Boba Fett. <laughs> but this dude is like he's asked that question constantly when he goes to like conventions. Oh really? Like, so what's up? Are you like was your character Are you gay? Fucking that kid. And he's like, no, actually, this was what happened, and huh. they had to like recut the movie. There's a character in this movie who I feel like they're trying to insinuate is gay. Yeah. The uh, the short shirtless. Well, this isn't helping at all. Um, but he's where he's got, there's like a kabuki mask that Iron he has Bar. attached. Is that his name? It's Iron Bar. And he walks around. He's got the kabuki mask. Yeah, kind of suspended he's in midair. Like assless chaps. Yeah. So yeah. There's a exhibit A. Yeah. Uh, exhibit B is there's a scene that he has with uh, is it Jedediah maybe where he's no, kind of I don't think he has a scene with looking Jedediah. him up and down and he's he's got a little bit of swagger. I thought I thought they were trying to paint him as a. As I think a gay it was. Character. I think it was with Max. Maybe it was with Max when they bring him up into the into Auntie's room. Oh shit! Yeah, with with the blind sumo saxophone player. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Uh, Saxophone all over this movie. There's so much. Did you think in the the theme that you don't need another hero? I know. They cut to some dude on a sax, but he's like this big muscular guy. He's like hip dancing while he's playing. There's more sax in this movie than Max. Yeah. Uh, that's see what I did. Very there. well done. Should have been called Mad Sax. <laughs> Sad Sax. Sad Max. <laughs> Any combination of the fantastic two. Fantastic Max. <laughs> <laughs> I get my hair cut there. Take it to the Max. That's fantastic, Sam. Sorry. Um, um, yeah. Okay. So, I don't know if this this struck you mm-hmm. at all, but uh, how pissed would you be if you were like? The kids in the Oasis <laughs> who sent, like, Max out to go save the the other, to save Savannah and the other children. Uh-huh. And, like, no one ever fucking showed back up. Oh, yeah. So like, they're just, like, Because, like, cut th- two, Savannah three years and later. the other kids left their fucking friends, a lo- like, to die in the Oasis as point. they flew to fucking Sydney. Yeah. Like, you that's could, right. You oh, that's right. Because we see them go through. Yeah. They go through the, the wreckage the, of Sydney, Australia. Ooh. Why the fuck didn't they go, like, land at the Oasis? Hey, motherfuckers, we're going to go to Sydney. <laughs> But we're gonna send Jedediah back to get you guys. Yeah. Like what? Why That's not a make point. a couple of trips? Yeah. I guess it couldn't all fit in the plane <laughs> the first ima- time. Imagining some like you know like <laughs> some some set or maybe those kids would be like they haven't returned yet. They're still telling should, this story. We should mount a rescue to go get them, and all those kids have now died in sinkholes oh. in the desert. <laughs> maybe that'll be Mad Max Five. <laughs> children of the the Oasis, <laughs> the rise of the children of the planet of the Oasis. 
Keep going, man. To get another subtitle. Keep going. I still think mine's better. Rise of the Conquering of the Planet. Heroes. Of the Dawn of the Heroes of the, the Planet of the Phantom Menace. The Dong. <laughs> Every time I hear Dawn, it's Dong. Uh, did you have anything else about this? Oh, gosh. Uh, no. You, you, here's what I'll say. Uh, for Great. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting. I was to be, always hoping you'd say no. So expecting I got to be else. underwhelmed. I always have something else for I you, Joe. You do. Zip. <laughs> <laughs> for a movie that I was expecting to be underwhelmed by, I was like, okay, I, I see why kind of people are into this. It made me want to see the prequels, uh, and it definitely makes me want to see the sequel. Although I was in already. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't as disappointed. I, I was. I was ready to come here and make fun of Tina Turner. Can't really do that. Uh, I can make fun of Master Blaster. I'm not crazy name. Sure I still cannot can. stand up for that. Um, but uh, yeah, there's uh, th- again, it looks good for a 1985 film. Uh-huh. I really appreciate the uh, the production design uh, and the costumes. And I, actually, that's that's what I think this movie did right. The costume design. Costume I'll say it right design. there. The art direction. Okay. Well, we'll come back to that. Okay. Oh, shit. I did. I did make a note about what would have been a good uh, subtitle for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Mad Max shoveling pig shit. Um, so there were a couple uh, before we move on to the to the what do they do right and what Mm -hmm. do they do wrong Mm -hmm. there's a couple of things that I don't know if maybe later on in film they were they were like referenced back to Mm -hmm. or they were references of but there's a part in this movie where Max uh, is he asks you know, can you get me down there can you get me down into the the, the pits Mm -hmm. because I want to get a closer look at Master Blaster right and he goes to approach Blaster and uh, this guy named Pig Killer is like, where are you going? And he says something to the effect of, I'm going to go pick a fight. Yeah. Mel Gibson says that same thing in Braveheart. And I'm wondering <gasps> if that's Ooh. an homage to Beyond Thunderdome because they're like, where are you going? To pick a fight. That's right. You know? Uh, and then there's also the uh, there's the part where Mad Max is chasing Blackfinger. Yep. I know exactly where you're going. <laughs> yes. And then like he comes running back out. It's a bunch of guards. It's who come the Han Solo it thing from Star Wars. Yeah, the, the Han Solo thing from Star Wars. Yep. I kind of feel like, okay, that's obviously an homage to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was one more thing. Oh, when Iron Bar is hanging on the train. As the train's going, mm-hmm. Iron Bar had climbed on the side and he's like, you know putting his legs up every time these like railings come over he that was puts a his cool legs up. little scene it was a great sequence and it was continuous yes so i was like jesus whoever that stunt person is had to fucking get that timing shit yes. down because your ass could die mm-hmm. trying to perform that stunt but then the, there's a little kid as iron bars hanging starts hacksawing yep, the bar i love that and i'm like is that a reference to the first mad max where he he's he gives the guy the hacksaw. Oh. And he's like, you, you could cut through the chain or you can cut through your ankle. Interesting. And I'm like, is the hacksaw kind of like the chainsaw <laughs> from Evil Dead? Like, it's always going to make an appearance? That was a nice little fun sequence, though, because, yeah, the, the bad guy. What's his name? Cross- I- Iron Bar. Iron Bar is, uh, is missing all the other obstacles, and, and finally he gets that last one. He thinks he's made it. And then, yeah, the payoff is, up. Oh, he's been sawing the bar the entire yes, time. Yes, the entire drops. time. Uh, I, I like that. Okay. A little bit of comedy. Uh, so you thought that the costume design was what this movie did? Costume, right? our direct. I'll just I'll just say our direction because yeah, they they really created this world with the costumes and the setting and the. I can't think of another movie that this feels like. Right, and and certainly it has spawned several other imitators. Yes, so kudos to them for that. Right, uh, I I'm with you on that. I think the production design of this movie was really well done, uh, especially how they made Barter Town and the Oasis. Two completely different spots. They could have actually yeah. shot all that in the same place, mm-hmm. but it looks like two completely different places, worlds apart. Uh, I like the uh, the the sense of of distance and location with everything. I kind of always felt like I was 
aware of where everybody was. Mm -hmm. And this is the same thing like my friend Luke and I talked about after seeing Fury Road. That for a movie that's kind of wide out in the open with cars just chasing each other for an hour and a half, two hours, it could be anywhere. But you always have this clear idea of where everybody is in relation to each other. Hmm. And I think that's incredibly tough to do when you're racing cars through a fucking desert. Uh, And so I liked that about this movie. I, I also... And this is gonna be this is gonna be weird because it's gonna follow right into what I thought the movie did worse, uh, or what it did bad. But I liked the premise. I really liked the premise. It's not of a bad premise. Movie. It's not a good. It's not a bad premise. Uh, it's just the problem is it's two premises that should have been two separate movies. Yes. And that's what this movie did wrong in my estimation. Mm-hmm. Was it got it muddied what its goal was. You know, when you start off telling a story, you need to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, a clear idea of where it is you're going to go with the story. Yep. And I think somewhere along the line, it got too convoluted with like, oh, now we're going to have children, and they're <sighs> in, in an oasis, and we need to get them to yes. safety. That's a perfect idea for a whole other movie. Right. Uh, but not put together like this. Right, and especially because it means you have to abandon the, the characters you've spent the first half of the movie setting up and now yeah. introduce new characters, and it's like, wh- wh- where's this going? Why are, I don't care, and it seems like a different movie. And this is actually the thing that I like the least about the movie, the, the whole Children of the Corn, yeah. the, the Lost Boys segment. Uh-huh. Yeah, it felt out of left field, and right. I don't know if they were intentionally going for like a softer Mad Max at this point and giving them something to fight for. But you know, he already had something to fight for. He, he he did. He did have something to fight for. I wanna I wanna throw this at you. You know how like they released Super Mario Brothers two, the actual Super Mario Brothers two in Japan, but they didn't give oh, right. America the original it Super Mario Brothers two. It was Doki Worlds. Doki Panic. That's right. Uh, that was what our Super Mario Brothers two was, and it was very simple. Far superior. And the games. reason why Japan didn't give us the original Lost Levels or Super Mario two was that they felt it was too difficult too for hard. American audiences. It was yep. too hard. Do you feel like that was kind of George Miller's approach when he was when they were putting together when they're producing Warner I think it was Warner Brothers hmm. is producing Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome do you think they looked at the content of the first two Mad Max movies and were like this is way too violent this is way too hard if we're going to market this to American audiences we need to soften it up a little bit yes to its detriment yeah i i, I yeah I think you might you might be onto something there. Mm-hmm. Hence Tina Turner being right. in this movie, right? Because who doesn't love Tina Turner in 1985? <laughs> but like I said, as we were Ike Turner, that's but, the answer. <laughs> <Ike> Turner. <laughs> well played. Uh, no, he loved her. He <laughs> loved to knock the shit out of. Uh, that's not even funny. I, I love saying. Tina Turner. <laughs> it's a thing that happened, and we sh- we're mocking the man, I not know. the act. That's right. Poor Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, my God. <laughs> what I love is that that was not the role that defined his career. You know, yes, he's got thank Morpheus God. to lay back on. Thank God. Uh, but for the longest time, whenever I thought Lawrence Fishburne, I thought, ah, Ike Turner. <laughs> That's horrible. Um, okay, so the uh, – God, what was I going to say? Shh, Fuck, I forgot yes. what I was going to say. Uh, we were talking about uh, – Oh, as we were starting off yes. this podcast, I was saying, like, you know, I've kind of turned around on my idea of this movie. Um, back, you know, I, I probably watched it the last time about a decade ago. And from memory, as we were talking about, like, we're going to watch Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. You know, I'm, I'm thinking going into this movie, I'm like, oh, fuck, I can't believe I've got to sit through this. <laughs> and I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot more than I remembered liking this movie. And I don't know if that came with, like, with age and understanding but I like this movie a lot more. It's still a mess. It's a jumbled mess. Yeah. And it should still be two separate movies. But it's not bad. And in fact, at a lot of points, it's kind of enjoyable. It's quite enjoyable. Uh, but as far as it goes, like in the in the, the pantheon of the Mad Max uh, series, 
it's the weakest chapter. It's absolutely the weakest chapter. I hope so. I was watching this on, I think, Saturday morning or Sunday morning, and Sarah woke up and started watching. She watched the last bit with me, and as the credits were rolling, she walks away to go to the kitchen to get something, and she's like, fourth one was better. (laughs) And I was like, I love this woman. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. Yeah. uh, If we were to remake Mad Max 3 Beyond Thunderdome, Mm -hmm. how would we do it, Joel? Uh, I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I need Uh, to bring mine up. And I tried to do some of the main characters, but again, like I said, watching this movie, holy Christ, we will not be ping-ponging this. Uh, you want me to go through mine real quick I'll first? I'll go through then? mine first. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I'll go through it since it's you longer. You got a theme? Uh, I don't have a theme. Okay. Uh, what I ha- I do have, I started with Jedediah, yes, the, uh, the pilot. The pilot. Uh, I think that the perfect casting for this would be Steve Buscemi. Ooh. Just because of looks alone. He has the look. I tell you what, since I only have six, can I just interject in when we find a character that I have? Sure. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, Joel. Daggers I in just, your eyes. Just, no, 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 because you change the rules as we go. You're like, yep. you want to ping pong it? No, I'll just go first. Okay, you go first. And then I start going and like, well, when I come across someone, can I just <laughs> well, ping pong I'm realizing it? now that it would, be, it would be lame otherwise. Uh, the Savannah character, mm-hmm. the, the main female yes. that's that's in the Oasis, uh, played by, we haven't gone to her in a while, Chloe Moretz. Oh. Going to go with her for this. I was afraid you were going to do the one I picked. Oh, really? Oof, Who okay. did you pick? Well, no, we're not doing it. Are we not doing it? I didn't do Jedediah the pilot. Oh, did you? you I had a Jedediah the pilot. All right, yeah. So I'll just I'll I'll go through the rest of this. <laughs> uh, Screw loose. One of our lost boys. Screw loose. Yeah. I thought he was kind of more one of the more notable ones. It's gonna be played by Nick Jonas. <laughs> the Jonas Brothers. Just because I ran out of fucking ideas. Uh, the main male that's in the Oasis, the the eldest male, would be playing like opposite Chloe Moretz for a little while. Mm-hmm. Justin Bieber. <laughs> oh, the, the Disney not, Channel version. I'm not done putting musicians in this movie oh, yet. Oh, Christ. Uh, so we have uh, Auntie, who is the Tina Turner character. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we need to put another artist in this Obviously. role. Obviously. Uh, and someone who's no stranger to doing movie theme songs. Uh, we're going to do Cindy Lauper as, oh, as Auntie Entity. <laughs> it's good enough for me. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're showing me your true colors right now, Joe. Uh, they're shining through. <laughs> Uh, okay. Girls just want to have fun. Yeah, you say go slow, I fall behind. <laughs> uh, Deep cut. I know, right? Deep cut. Uh, okay, so Iron Bar, the character of Iron Bar with the Kabuki mask up on top. Yep. Jeremy Renner is going to be playing. Yes, because he's like, t- oh my he God, that'd be perfect. Like he kind of looks like yeah. him too. Uh, Pig Killer, <laughs> who's down there in the, in the pits, Yes. Uh, who somehow knows that the monkey belongs to Max. At one point, he lifts the monkey up and puts him in like the ventilation shaft, and he's like, go find Max. I'm like, how the fuck did you know that's Max's monkey? That's a good monkey? point. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Uh, that's going to be Colin Firth. <laughs> I, would, I would love to see Colin Firth. Uh, Wait, wasn't that guy just like wearing assless chaps? Yes. And, yeah, right. I want to see Colin Firth in assless chaps. Said As no do a lot of women. Ever. A lot yeah. of women want to see what Colin is, Firth. Yeah, I, He's got weird. that thing, man. People love Colin Firth. I don't get it. Uh, dude, watch Love Actually. No, I love him that's in that. What, that's what they love about but him. He just doesn't look like a leading man. All right. So uh, there's a character in this movie called Blackfinger. He's the mechanic of <laughs> Blackfinger. <laughs> uh, all right, so Blackfinger. He's kind of he's the mechanic in Bartertown, uh-huh. and he's kind of this hairy, goofy dude. Oh yes. Um, he's gonna be played by Mel Gibson. <laughs> Cameo. Uh, Master Blaster. Yes. Will be played uh, by Master. Will be played by Tony Cox, who is in Bad Santa. Oh, she, he was oh, also yes. one of the Nelwins yes. in Willow. I saw him last week. Yes, you Good did. call. <laughs> well, I mean, did you uh, go go do dinner with while him? While we were recasting. Ah. Some of my dreams. So Tony Cox, Blaster, the person he rides on That's top funny. of, will be played by WWE superstar Cesaro. 
<laughs> since he's not much on the mic, but he is uh, an incredible physical performer. There you go. I, I think he would be fantastic there. And uh, and why ruin a good thing? We've already recast Mad Max as uh, as Tom Hardy in Fury Road, and that's exactly what I'm going to do yeah, in Beyond Thunderdome. I know. I think that I've as I was going through, I was like, man, they did a they did a nice job finding somebody to recast because they did, and he does an amazing job. Have done. He does a great job. My director. Uh, because he he stole a lot from this movie, so I figure he should make his penance by actually doing the remake. Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Steven Spielberg's Mad Max. Interesting. <laughs> a lot of shots of people looking off into the distance. Yeah, in the bla- black and white, except for the girl in Children. the red dress. Ooh, <laughs> nice. Uh, all right, so let me get through my six. Savannah Nix, who, like you said, she's the the, the one of the elders of uh-huh. the the Children of the Ways. Bye, bye. How about Rune, Rooney Mara? Rooney Mara. You love the Mara sisters. I do, but especially this one. She's done some dark movies before. Um, the, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. The Collector, who is the big overweight oh, guy yeah. at the beginning, the sweaty, just glistening sweat. Uh, picture, if you will, James Spader, Ultron <laughs> himself, uh, just wearing like nothing but you know some some sequins maybe. Poor James Spader. James Spader. He used to be a little guy. But he's intimidating. Right now, he's a big guy. Uh, Master Blaster. How about, of course... Peter Dinklage gonna be up there in that perch as Blaster. And he, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be funny. That if would be reverse really the funny roles reversed. He's carrying around. Uh, no, he'll he'll be hoisted about by um, the actor's name is Quentin Aaron. You probably don't recognize that name, but you will recognize him as Michael Ower in The Blind Side. He's oh, the, yeah. big, uh, the big the big black yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's gonna be Blaster. Jedediah the pilot. How about Jake Busey? Love it. Crazy Jake Busey flying that playing around, and then of course our two leads. Tina Turner. Uh, how about uh, so she doesn't sing? Can we? Just, we're just recasting Tina Turner, like t- t- not oh, the sorry. character Auntie, but Auntie. Tina Turner. I, I I do that some sometimes. Well, now be everybody knows Tina Turner, but she'll be played by Angelina Jolie. Love it as uh, Auntie. Ent- I think that Ant- works. Entity. I, I think, think so that works too. Well, she can do no wrong. And then uh, um, Mel Gibson, Changeling. This is a tough one because I went back and forth. Uh, Jenna had a good suggestion. She said Colin Farrell. That'd been good. <laughs> that would have been good. It's like uh, I feel oh, like I just Colin recast Firth. him recently. <laughs> Colin Firth as, as, as Mad, Mad Max. Max. Uh, he's just slightly perturbed. I'm, Max. I'm quite upset. Exactly. With you right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just also, want you to know that I love you. She also <laughs> <laughs> nice. She also threw out uh, Chris Hemsworth. Also would have been nice. Hey, but uh, I went my own route because so I wanted somebody a little darker, a little edgier. Uh, and somebody we haven't seen in a while. I want him to make a comeback. Uh, Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce from um, what's the Iron Man Nolan three? He movie. was in Iron Man three. That's right. There you go. And playing he the was nerd. In, he was in Memento. Memento is. And who could forget the Time Machine? <laughs> I I wish I could. Did you see that movie? <laughs> it was so bad. Oof. It was so bad. I, that's one of those ones where I actually prefer the original, the old like nineteen forty oh, yeah. whatever black and white original. Yeah, his was. That one was such a bad movie. It was like, oh, we can do special effects now. Let's make another time travel movie yeah. and with no story that they were trying to tell. Uh. It totally lost all of the symbolism. Uh, okay, whatever. No, you, I, you I agree the original with you. One? Yeah, no, I agree with you. It yeah. loses the symbolism. It loses the message it just between the Morlocks do... and the Eloy. Yeah, yes, you know, I know. Like, they... that's the central conflict, and, like, it's just Thank all about, you. like, understanding. Yeah. And it's just lost. It yes. just, it turns into action It was more about, like, movie. him trying to bring his wife back, and it's like, yeah. that's just the first act. We've got to abandon it. Right. Anyway, yeah, the first time machine. Check cool. it out, guys. All right, who would direct this? Uh, this is, uh, I, got a, I got a brother duo. 
uh, to direct this. Uh, they are no strangers to filming movies in the desert uh-huh. uh, because they did the Book of Eli, and these are the Hughes brothers, also responsible for Dead Presidents and Menace to Society. Nice. I love Book of Eli. I'm not sure where you used to fall on that. I'm not the biggest fan of Book of Ooh, Eli. Oh, Jeff, I think, I think me, Book of Eli on the surface is a great. It's a great action flick, mm-hmm. but I think the message. I think the story is really fucking slow. Did you see the twist coming? Yeah. You yeah. did you know ahead of time though? <laughs> Denzel didn't see the twist coming. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, but, but yeah, no, I I saw it coming a mile away. Hmm, I, interesting. I, Wait, I, which, which twist? What he was carrying or his attribute? Uh, no, his attribute I did not see. Okay, okay, but but, but what he was carrying? Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's... well, th- it's called the Book of Eli. So I don't care. Kind of right. No, no, that's what I'm saying. It's kind yeah. of right there in the title. They're yeah. giving you clues. Uh, all right. Sorry, so spoiler alerts, folks. The uh, if you have any thoughts about how we've recast this, if you have any ideas for recastings for Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, you can write us on Facebook. Uh, just put the editing bay in the search bar. Look for the woman with the bleeding eyes. That's us, uh, and that's where you talk to us. Let us know your thoughts uh, about what we've had to say, or if you've got any ideas for movies that you'd like us to talk about in the future. That's where you will send uh, those suggestions. We've also got a website. We sure do. That's right. I have seven ninety nine a month and GoDaddy, and so we bought. EditingBay.com. You can go there, and uh, we've got links to all of our shows, links to the Facebook page, link to our Twitter handle, uh, which is at the Editing Bay. At the Editing Bay. Follow us on Twitter, uh, and uh, you'll you'll see all of our news on our, our lovely website there. That's right. We've also got George's Goiter. Oh yes, but I haven't done anything with it yet. I, we, we have George's Goiter. How many followers from last week's episode uh, do we have? I now? don't know. I have no idea. I should probably check that. Because um, it, it was like up to 34 or yeah, something or the you last could time check I saw. It. I you could check, check it. it. While I'm talking about if you want to follow us, if you follow us on, uh, if you subscribe to us on iTunes or with your podcasting app, uh, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a review and a rating. And uh, we've gone through like the long process of telling you how to do that. All you got to do, go to your podcasting app, go to search, look up Next Wave Radio. That's going to bring up all of our shows. So we want you to click on all those at some point, but definitely the editing bay. Click on that and you're going to have like, you know, episodes, reviews and like feed or whatever or related. Uh, You want to pick that middle section. That's reviews. That's where you're going to give us a five star rating. That's right. Five star rating and a review letting us know what you think of the show. Uh, so we can use that to, to get some sponsorships and stuff. Uh, and then after you've done that for the editing bay, go back, do that for my comic life with Jeff and Sam, 8-Bit Gladiators with Jeff, John, and Jay, and the most valuable podcast with Danny and Matthew. Mm-hmm. Uh, the latest episode of that, Danny and I doing a little preview of WWE Payback. Oh. Um, but yeah, if you don't have uh, an Apple device, if you're on Android, you can find us on the Podcast Addict or Podcast Republic applications that you use those and you could search iTunes and find us there. Um, all right. So next week, yes. which is for us is going to be about 30 minutes from now. <laughs> uh, next week, we will be talking about a movie. We talked to this is speaking of pigs. Uh, oh. <laughs> I know that's so bad. now, <laughs> But uh, but we're going to be talking about a movie called Burlesque with uh, Christina Aguilera. Share Christian Bale. Yes. Uh, Stanley Tucci reprising his role from The Devil Wears Prada (laughs) and every other film that he's ever done. Right. uh, Just being the likable smarmy guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, and who else is in this? Uh, The chick from Dancing with the Stars, Julianne Hough. Julianne Hough. Is in this. And And the guy who was the bad guy and never backed down. Some pretty boys. That's right. Yeah. He's going to be in it. So we're talking about Burlesque next week right here on The Editing Bay. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much. Yay. I hope you're enjoying that straw that you've been tearing <laughs> apart for the past 30 it. minutes. Uh, Joel, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Always and an honor. We will uh, we'll catch you next week. We are the editing bank. Running around, robbing banks, all whacked on the screwy side.
You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.